HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Guys, it's Tuesday, November 7th, 2017, and we have a very special show today. Happens to be a Taste New York, New York Craft Beverage Week, and we've been working with the guys from Taste New York and New York Empire State Development since the summer to talk about uh, this this week. And what's cool is that there's so many things popping up that, that mirror this week. You know, there's Cider Week that's happened every October. We just had the first Rye Week uh, in, in October as well. And um, we brought together uh, some distillers and experts to talk about kind of the backstory of grain in New York for, uh, for, for craft beverages. And we're going to also taste some of the special Empire Rye whiskeys that, that the group has made. So we're going to do a quick introduction. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, the Good Beer Seal. Um, and our big sponsor is Union Beer Distributors, supply of world-class ales and lagers. We're here on the Heritage Radio Network. We're going to go around the room. There's a lot of guests in the room. I had a nightmare the other night about doing this show. I thought there'd be 30 <laughs> people in the room. But we brought in grain experts, distillers, uh, bar owner, and um, it's a pretty great show. So let's go around the room, the, the key people. And just, you know, say a little bit about who you are. I know Amy, but no one else does. Oh, yeah. So I'm Amy Halloran, and I like flour so much that I wrote a book about it. Flour uh, for grain for flour also makes beer. And so that's why I'm here tonight to talk about it. And you've been on the show a few times. You know, yeah. we, we've, I think we've been following kind of the backstory of grains in New York for beer, you know, g- going way back. Uh, how many years ago did we first meet you? Four or five years ago? It's a little while, yeah. Yeah, and then we got one of our distillers. Uh, my name's Derek Slusselman. I'm the uh, distiller and co-founder at Van Brun Stillhouse over in Red Hook, Brooklyn. That's great to have you, man. So uh, you were part of the Empire Rye Whiskey Project. Uh, yeah, yeah, very proudly uh, make a, a, a Empire Rye. Great. All right, and we got another distiller. 
My name is Chris Murillo. I am the production manager and distiller at New York Distilling Company, and we are also part of the Empire Rye Project. It's great, and, and it was your one of the co-founders, Tom Potter, that reached out to me in August, so we've been planning this show for quite a while. And in terms of what we're drinking, Ethan, he's checking us on Untapped. We're drinking the Carton Red Rye Returning, this big kind of red rye IPA. And uh, Stephen, our regionalization expert, officially. Hi. I'm uh, Stephen Baird from the Owl Farm and Cardiff Giant Bars. Uh, Cardiff Giant specializes exclusively in alcohol produced in New York State. Great. And uh, you go featured. You know, there, there was a big article in the New York Times about this whole Empire Ride project, and I was really proud of you. You got a nice write-up in it. But you're also making sure that we have beer today, too. Oh, well, beer, beer is how I got into this whole thing. Uh, I thought I was going to open a New York State beer bar, and then um, and we also sell a ton of whiskey, so just by default, I've become kind of an expert on New York State booze. And what was that process like? So you guys, they did a big photo shoot with all the distillers at your bar. Well, that was uh, just, just thanks to Coppercy. They said, let's have a photo shoot here, and I never say no to the New York Times coming to my bar. All right. And then uh, here's our specialty grain expert. Hey, uh, my name's Tor Oshner. We have a 1,200-acre um, uh, organic grain farm up in the Finger Lakes outside uh, Ithaca, about eight miles. And uh, uh, Jimmy came up and visited us, and we had a real nice time. And um, been down uh, to see Derek Seisselman there. Uh, we uh, provide him with all his grains and uh, shipped to a couple other distilleries and uh, some breweries and malt houses as well. So uh, we're real excited to be here to talk about a little rye for rye week. All right. And here's another distiller, our, our other guest. Hey, I'm Christopher Williams from Copperseed Distilling. I'm the chief distiller there. I have a slightly less impressive farm. Uh, it's only 75 acres. Um, but uh, we grow uh, some portion of our own grain for our whiskeys on that farm, and then the balance is from uh, a couple other growers in the Hudson Valley. So we use exclusively Hudson Valley grain for our whiskeys at Coppersea. That's great. So, uh, Tord, let's go back a little bit. So, you know, we met you a few years ago. You were growing specialty grains for, for baking. You got into beer. Uh, yeah, so... Um I got into this through, uh, we started a, a flour mill up near uh, where I live, uh, Farmer Ground Flour, and um, sort of when the whole uh, farmer brewer legislation and farmer distiller legislation just uh, happened to coincide with when we started this uh, flour mill. So we, we had gotten into growing uh, food-grade grains, looking at uh, varieties of grain that um, well, rye is a, for instance, most of the rye in New York State was a variety called uh, rustic rye, which was mostly grown for cover cropping and had a very small seed um, and uh, didn't have particularly good flavor characteristics. So we started looking around uh, for types of rye that um, had large berries, were bred for milling, um, and those same varieties that had uh, great flavor, we, we ended up with a variety called Danko, which is out of Poland originally. Um, these varieties had big green berries with excellent flavor. They also uh, were really good in terms of uh, lots of yield of alcohol and a really uh, nice flavor profile and also great for uh, making rye bread. So, um, you know, through, the, through my flour connection, um, uh, we got into working with breweries and distilleries, and you know, part of that was that 
uh, on our farm, we set up um, infrastructure to clean grain so we could actually, we had processing equipment that could go through and, and you know, separate the, the grain out and, and produce, a, for malting, for instance, yes, basically producing seed. So you needed to be able to clean this to a certain grade. And so we had been working and developing that equipment. So when this legislation came through, it was an easy fit for us because we were already thinking in terms of producing a food grade product and being able to process it and ship it down to guys like Derek. Um, so that that's kind of how we got into it, sort of backdoor through the um, through the flour making process. And then Stephen, you, you're pouring beers for us. I know for Rye Week you stocked up on some some beers. So yeah, we're, we're pouring a few one. beers. We've got Exhibit A Brewery from Massachusetts, Danko Double Dry Hop Rye Ale. It's made with rye malt from Valley Malts in the Finger Lakes. Some people are drinking that. We've also got Transmitter. Anyway, and Tor, that's your grain. Yeah, that's actually, we ship a lot of grain to Valley Malt in Hadley, Massachusetts. Uh, have been for a long time. And, um, you know, Exhibit A is actually a pretty new brewery. Um, but they're making both the Danko Rye IPA using our Danko and uh, the Cat's Meow, which me and Jimmy had quite a few of on my porch <laughs> and uh, was kind of a big hit. And that, that the uh, Cat's Meow IPA, I actually drink one to two of those every single night. Uh, it's probably, and Rachel too, it's, it's our, uh, it's, uh, I think, one of our favorite beers ever. So you, sh- ever. you ship them the grain and they ship you back Well, the part of the deal with shipping grain to Valley Malt is that she connects with uh, Exhibit A and uh, we, uh, we get... By the case, we get that beer and uh, keep it in our basement. And there's always a cold one in the fridge when I come in all dirty from a long day of farming. So it's pretty awesome. Well, that's that's a great start. You talk about, uh, you know, grain to glass. Um, you know, Derek, you know, give us some backstory on this. You know, you, you've been you're distilling in Brooklyn, you know, your inspirations. Yeah, so I, I for me, it was very important to have uh, sort of a local chain of uh, supply uh, I, I, I'm a, we're a small business by definition, and I sort of believe in doing business with small businesses. And so it didn't make any sense for me to, to call up Cargill and have them ship me a, 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 some grain. And so I sought out uh, uh, farmers, and I, I worked with a couple of uh, people unsuccessfully before I met Tor. Uh, and I, I found Tor through the uh, Grow NYC Grain Project. project and... Um, uh, and I'm I'm not a farmer, I, uh, but I I value the 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 skills that a farmer brings to the table, and and so when I met Tor, it was great to have a, a relationship with someone who I could sit down and talk to and say, this is what I want, what can you give me? It's a little back and forth. I, I didn't pick Danko Rye um, because I trust what Tor knows about what he's doing, and and to let him sort of drive what the what the grain was, but uh, but I love working with that local business and keeping that supply chain nice and short. Tor, tell us about when you first met Derek. Yeah, so uh, I, I really, really enjoyed working with Derek. I mean, he's, you know, interested enough in what we do to have made some trips up to the farm, see what's going on there, talk to me about what I'm doing. And also, in the reverse, I've gone down and visited Derek a couple of times. So, you know, what, what I really enjoy is... Um, developing a relationship with the, the person who's the end user, knowing what their needs are, and then, you know, working with them. I mean, right now, uh, Derek and I are, 
I think, working on a really exciting uh, new project where uh, we were, our farm was picked as one of three farms in New York State to trial perennial wheat and perennial rye. Perennial being that, um, you know, typically wheat and rye is what they call an annual crop where you plant it, it grows, it senesces, you harvest it, and it's done. And they've come out with varieties of one variety of wheat and one variety of rye that you plant it, and it will come up every year, which eliminates all the tillage and other work that's involved, soil erosion, carbon footprint from all the diesel fuel we have to use to plant it. Um, and so we've just begun going down this road of we just put in our first field of perennial rye, we just harvested it this year. I've got a sample bag of it right now. It looks a little bit, a rye is sort of a gray-green kernel. This is a little lighter colored and it's got darker kernels and it looks a little bit more like wild rice than rye. Uh, so we only have about a half acre of it, but that half acre is all gonna go down to Derek and uh, he's gonna experiment with it and we're gonna see what we can do to produce a whiskey out of a perennial rye, which I think is gonna be really exciting. Amy, any impressions? She's in there digging in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great stuff. I love rye for a lot of reasons because rye grows here. When the pilgrims came to Plymouth Rock, their wheat that they brought didn't grow, but the rye that they brought did. So rye has a really good chance for reestablishing itself in the Northeast. Um, and I also want to comment on the relationship that you guys have and the relationships between the, the brewers, distillers, and growers in this room because we all love the connections that we get with the brewer. There's nothing like knowing the person who makes your food. So imagine that going all the way back to the land and being able to give the farmer a sense of where the product goes and really connect this job that's forgotten, out of sight, out of mind, and we've lost social values for farming. We've lost, um, we've lost a lot of appreciation, and I think that there's a chance with the brewing and distilling excitement to really renovate and reinvigorate the relationship we have with the land and each other. Great. And now, Chris, um, you know, tell us about what you've been doing at Copper City, because I know you guys, you're also growing your own grain, working with local farmers since day one. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, a farmer in the way that, that uh, Tor is a, far, a farmer. Uh, what's, what's interesting is that, so when Copper Sea got started about five years ago, we were kind of desperate for grain. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as available as it is now, and, um, and we owe a huge debt to farmers like Tor for really paving the way for the interest in in growing grain, um, making it available uh, at the level of quality that that he's really bringing to the market. But when we got started, uh, certainly in our Mid-Hudson Valley region, we had a really strong commitment early on to just exclusively using 100% Hudson Valley grain. And it just wasn't there. So we we really beat the street um, trying to find farmers that would grow it for us. And in the course of that, that search, we wound up learning a lot about grain growing ourselves, mostly because a lot of the farmers that, that we were talking to, amazing growers though they were, were completely disconnected from the tradition, the techniques, the, the skill set that is required, and, and, and actually, frankly, just the, the equipment that you need to be able to bring in a, uh, a, a good grain crop in the Northeast. So 
over the course of that search, we did we did end up finding farmers that we currently work with and who produce. Um, you know, we work with uh, Migliorelli Farm in Tivoli in uh, in Dutchess County, uh, primarily. But uh, we wound up learning a lot about grain growing and realized that for want of land, you know, but for want of land and equipment, we we really could be doing it ourselves. And um, uh, that that's what we did. Um, <laughs> maybe things might have been different if we realized how much uh, how much the farmers of New York State were really going to grab onto this concept. I think we were a little nervous that that five years from now we might still be in the same situation, which um, was part of the reason why we developed the farm ourselves. But uh, but it's just an exciting time. You know, five years ago, I never would have imagined that that there would have been such a huge upsurge in in interest in in grain growing in New York State. Oh, that's cool. This is a little bit of the backstory on on rise and grains in New York. And Stephen, uh, just tell us the other beers that we're drinking. So we had the uh, Exhibit A. We had the Exhibit A, and then we're going to have the uh, some people are drinking the Transmitter SY1 Rye Saison, which is uh, brewed with a large portion of rye malt and fermented with yeast off nectarine skins. And then we have Garvey's Point Ricky's Rye Double IPA, which is a mix that's of uh, this, this one. That's here? the growler, yeah. Right. Uh, Ricky's Rye IPA from Garvey's Point, which has uh, Malted rye, flaked rye, and then citra and chinook hops. And that's the beers. And then we'll drink lots of whiskey after that. Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's a special rye night here at Roberta's. We've got uh, some distillers. We're tasting rye beers. A grain grower and a distillers from the Empire Rye Project. And if you're around, we're going to be doing a live tasting after the show, our first time with Kachina uh, Cook Pig, Green Market Grains, rye, rye breads, and uh, whiskeys and beer. So um, here we are at Roberta. So uh, we're talking to everybody. Chris, you could say something about yeah, no, in the break, backstory, grains, rye, whiskey, well, beer. Well, I wanted to mention in the break there, you know, Stephen made an interesting point. He said that five years ago, a bar like Carter Giant, could could not even have remotely existed. You know, there weren't there weren't obviously the volume of uh, of distilleries or breweries, but um, there, there certainly weren't the farms yet uh, that would suggest that you could have a bar in New York City that would be thriving that exclusively served New York State beers and New York State whiskeys and, and other spirits. 
Um, so, you know, it's just it's amazing how quickly everything is, has progressed. A lot of that is, um, you know, I want to give credit to, to the state of New York for, you know, the incredibly, <laughs> you know, inviting environment that it has created for, for distilleries and breweries and other beverage alcohol, whether it's cider or wineries, you know, uh, to, to exist. You know, the barriers to entry have been reduced and the path to market, you know, New York City being probably the best market for beverage Let's alcohol. Let's go back to the Baxter. So June Russell from Grow NYC was Regional Grains Project. Now it's called Green Market Grains. Get up to the microphone, June. All right, all right. You know, w- give us your backstory because that's how I met Tor and Amy was, was through you. And Well, our backs, I feel like you've told this story many times, but it bears repeating. Um, we uh, started working on grains when we were looking for ways to make our bakers more mission supportive. Started looking for local flour, which was kind of this mysterious thing. Is there local flour anywhere? Is there anybody growing wheat? Are there any sort of facilities working on this? So um, I started working on that in 2007. There were conversations at Green Market that predated my time there. Um, and that's also when I met Tor about 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, yeah, there were a few uh, initiatives to work on wheat. You know, University of Vermont had some trials happening, and, and Ellie Ragosa had a SARE grant that was working on bread wheat varieties for the Northeast. So um, some of that, you know, initial groundwork was there, and then creating the demand was was kind of key to that. So we... Uh, to getting some lift off there, I guess. And so we implemented a rule that required our bakers to use a minimum of 15% grain from the region, which helped to kickstart the market. You know, now with that, then things took off in multiple different <laughs> directions. Um, fellow named Simo Kasutso. Simo. Uh, and his, his Finnish rye bread kind yeah, of single-handedly uh, established yeah. the market for rye. Back in yeah, Simo, if you're out there, man, I love you. He, he makes the best <laughs> rye bread. But, yeah. you know, there's a little bit of backstory. We've done a number of shows of them. But what happened was, is like, people were growing rye, and you tried to get them to grow other grains like emmer, but, but for beer. And the beer never really took off, did it? Well, it's, you know, the, the really the idea was like, once we in, tried to engage farmers in this, it's like we needed a bigger market than green market bakers doing 15%. That's only 60,000 pounds a month, which is about eight acres, which is not enough to sustain even tour like a single farmer. So really it was to consider everything that the region could produce and really broaden the perspective so that we didn't fixate just on wheat, that we really gave farmers as many options as possible to extend their rotation. So yes, oats... Uh, rye, different kinds of wheat, the ancient wheat varieties, and then looking for to maximize the market for that and engage all stakeholders. So all stakeholders for grains are not just bakers, but brewers, distilleries, um, feed grades even. Um, but, you know, for obvious reasons, like it's been a bigger challenge to get more of the local grains integrated into beer because of the malting process. And so, you know, all of these trades are being reinvigorated with skill sets that have not been around for over a hundred years. So, you know, we're really talking small scale. Uh, You know, it's difficult enough to get a quality crop, you know, out of the field in, in the environment of the Northeast, let alone get it malted to good specifications, but it's, it's happening. Chris. So, yeah. So our backstory with, with our grain starts almost eight years ago. Um, 
at that time we approached uh, New farmer. York Distilling. Yeah, New York Distilling. We approached um, Rick Peterson, who's a farmer up in Geneva, New York, um, about using his grain, and he was very excited because at the time he was growing grain as a as a winter overcrop and would just sow it right back into the field, and because there was no market for the grain. So when we showed up and said, hey, we'd like to buy your rye, he was really, um, really excited about that. Um, one of the fun projects that we were able to do because we have that direct relationship with our farmer is about eight years ago when we started talking with uh, Mr. Peterson, we were kind of throwing around the idea of reviving an heirloom varietal of rye. Um, as, as we've talked about a little bit, rye is... Is, is definitely ingrained in the history of New York. And so we wanted to see if we could find a rye that we, we could plant and, and revive and use in our whiskeys to hopefully create something unique. And so what we did is we reached out to Corn with, with the help of Mr. Peterson. We reached out to Cornell and um, National Seed uh, Repository. And we were able to find a really interesting varietal of rye that was indigenous to New York. The name of the rye is Horton. And so the, the, the seed repository sent us 10 seeds about eight years ago. And so working with Mr. Peterson and, and Cornell, we took those 10 seeds. And after the first year, we had three ounces of seeds. And then after the, the next year, we had three pounds. And, and after that, we had a couple bushels. And so um, over the past eight, eight years, we've gone from 10 seeds to now we have several acres um, growing this Horton rye and um, we're really excited because this is the first year we're, we're releasing whiskey um, that has that varietal uh, of, of rye that is indigenous to New York that we think um, reflects the kind of rye that people would have been drinking in the 1800s from which the seed came. That's great. Good stuff, man. <laughs> We're gonna start drinking some whiskeys too, right, Stephen? Yeah, let's drink whiskey. Yeah, we had garbage. Just one more time, say the beers, because uh, and then Tor, take a step back to the exhibit A. That's our favorite beer made with your rye. <laughs> well, from Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, I really I love Exhibit A Brewery. We're also another uh, Massachusetts brewery. We really uh, really love his uh, Wormtown. Um, and he's also using a lot of our grain via Valley Mall, Andrea and Christian Stanley up there. They're doing a lot of great stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and the thing I really like about these these two breweries is, you know, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. You know, you go in there and they're really trying to uh, use, you know, as everybody here, we're all in the same boat, but these two breweries are, are really... Um, trying to um, use a lot of uh, local ingredients and regional ingredients and, and making really uh, great stuff out of it. You know, our, unfortunately, my local brewery, Ithaca Beer, you know, they don't buy anything from me or, or aren't really that interested in the local products. So, you know, all these guys in the room that are really doing it, these are my people. You know, I love this. This is, this is making a big difference on farms across New York State. You know, this is, it's a really, cheers, it's, it's cheers a happening people, thing. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers. Go for yep. it. Cheers. I, I'd like to say that, as, as Tor just made a point, that his local brewery uh, maybe doesn't buy his grains, that, you know, for the past 50 years or so, 
grain as opposed to veg, fruits and vegetables has been considered a commodity product. Right. So I'm from this from a soybean and rice growing community, and that's in the south, and that's a commodity product that you don't think of as agricultural. And um, the idea that you could have beer as an agricultural product or whiskey as an agricultural product has been kind of divorced from the production. So I think that we're about to drink a bunch of whiskey, and all, every whiskey on this table, 75% at minimum of that whiskey was grown in New York State. And that's a huge deal. Um, it was like grain, yeah, from grains deal. to glass. Grain to glass, yeah. yeah. Name? Yeah, I just wanted to mention... Um, the back to Wormtown that Tor was talking about, they do a piece of mass in every glass. Yeah. So they have a bag of Valley Malt in everything that they brew. They're they're a big enough brewery that they can't get all their grains from Massachusetts or from the Northeast, but they're making a commitment to, to help grow the region. And as a New Yorker, I'm very excited about our legislations that are pushing this. I've been to conferences in, say, Washington State, and they do have a distilling law that requires, um, it allows a license that that has a little bit of Washington grains. However, Washington grains don't have the identity that they're going to have with the relationships that we have in New York State. Because Washington is growing on that commodity scale, it's not about these smaller scale relationships and person to person and making sure that farmers are are getting what they deserve pay-wise. So June made an interesting point earlier about um, about malting. So we kind of we kind of gloss over Grace this a little bit. Uh, that, you know, there's this whole intermediary step that at least on the on the brewing and distilling side needs to be addressed, and I think people didn't really appreciate this early on um, when they asked, you know, why don't you use more New York grain? You know, uh, if that was something that they were interested in, and a big part of that, certainly for Coppersy early on, was the availability of malt, which is this intermediary step where you sprout the grain that frees up the enzymes in the grain that can convert the starch to sugar. Because people sometimes you don't pull focus on the fact that unlike a grape, where all the sugar is available. You can just crush it, and it'll sometimes it'll just start spontaneously turning into wine. Uh, you know, grain is not like that. It's a starch ball. It needs to be converted first from starch to sugar, and then the yeast can turn the sugar, uh, sorry, the, the yeah, the sugar into um, into ethanol. So certainly, uh, Valley Malt early on was sort of everybody's mainstay uh, because they were really the only game in town, and they weren't even in town. You know, they were in Massachusetts, but God bless them, they were great. Uh, but you know, at Coppersea, we made the decision to again, in in light with in light of that sort of the lack of availability of the malt, um, we started malting ourselves in house. And in the interim, now between that point five years ago and now, we've got all these malt houses opening up now. So what's amazing about about what's going on in in New York is not only is it grain growing, not only is it uh, breweries and distilleries, but these these ancillary businesses that are cropping up as a result of the grain being there. Now we have malt houses, um, we have cooperages, you know, we have all of these great new industries that are coming uh, because people like to get their drink on with New York grain. But you also don't you malt in your own facility as well? Yeah, we we do traditional floor malting. Um, so you you may have seen pictures of uh, you know certainly there's some Scottish distilleries that still do that in house. Uh, the traditional process, it's a very ancient and, and um, really its own, its own art form in and of itself uh, where you, you wet down the grain uh, in a controlled manner, uh, introduce oxygen to, uh, to that uh, mixture, 
give it a period of time to saturate and then you put it on the floor and basically just allow it to sprout, you know, the same way, not, not dissimilar to how you might make bean sprouts in your, in your fridge, you know, it grows little roots and acrospires. And that's this sort of magical process of unlocking the grain, uh, freeing up the enzymes that can convert the starch into sugar. It's a very, in a way, it's kind of one of the most ancient forms of biotechnology, you know, this, you know, this, most of us don't know anything about how drinks are made. Cause <laughs> Pete, Pete Brown, our favorite UK beer writer was in a couple of weeks ago in his book, he said most people that he talked to in England thought lagers were made from chemicals. So he started talking about grains. It's like sprouts. It's a little <laughs> freaky. Chris, wh- what am I drinking? This is a, not really into whiskeys. Yeah, so this is our, uh, this is our ragtime rye. Um, it's a two-year rye that's been finished uh, for about six months in an Applejack barrel. Um, our, our flagship ragtime rye is a minimum of three years. Um, and, um, you know, we about two years ago, we switched over... Um, to 75% uh, rye. Before that, we were 72%. So, um, but we won't, you know, we're very, we're a founding member of this Empire Rye Association. So we wanted to release a whiskey. And uh, about a year ago, we, we threw some rye in a, in a used Applejack barrel. And it was so good that we did 10. Uh, and so that's what we're enjoying. This is our Horton rye. 100% um, of the rye in here is the Horton rye. Uh, from New York, and um, as I said, it's it's been in the in, been a normal um, Amer- new American oak uh, barrel for two years, and then after that, we dumped it and, and moved it over to a used Applejack barrel. The Applejack comes from Black Dirt Distilling, which is also a New York distillery, and then it ages in that and picks up some extra fruit notes, which we really like. Um, the other thing we did, which just as a goof, just to be a little different, is instead of uh, bottling it at 90.4, which is what our normal rye goes in. We're bottling it at a, at a um, at 100 proof, so it's got a little extra vitamin A in there for you. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to cut a lot of these guys short because I want to get something out of June since we're talking grains now. Yes, Jimmy? <laughs> you were looking at me like you wanted to say something. What was this is like oh, my oh, nightmare. Well, when I was going back, it was at a, a point that Chris brought up about malting. So in... 2010, we were putting this meeting together, and we went to some breweries in Brooklyn and said, what grains are you using? What do you need? You know, how can we work with you? And they said, oh, we don't brew with, we don't brew with grains. So well, what do you use? And they said, well, we use malt. So, well, what, what's that? <laughs> and they're like, we don't, they didn't even know. Like, well, it comes from, we buy it from Belgium. And that was about it. It was like the disconnect of, like, the source ingredient of, like, what you're using, where it comes from, how it behaves was was pretty disconnected. So That's yeah, great. we've, we've and come we've come, a long we've way. come so far. Everybody raise yep. your glass, take another short break. We'll be back in a few uh, minutes cheers. on Beer Sessions Radio. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. 
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's a wild party here. We had some beer. Steven, again, recap the, the rye beers that we tried, because not everyone's had a rye beer. Oh, uh, we had Exhibit A, uh, uh, Danko Rye. We had Transmitter SY1 Rye Saison and Garvey's Point Ricky's Double Rye IP. And if you have the transmitter, I didn't try that one yet. And now we're, go- we're going to this whole... So we try to give the backstory. This, this is like a three-episode show, but... This is the backstory of the Empire Eye Project. And why I think it's so important is that just, you know, June was saying in 2010, no one knew what malt was. Farmers were just starting to say, hey, you can, you can grow grain and there might be a market for it for beer and, and whiskey. But I know that, you know, in the brewing industry, it, it hit some snags where not a lot of brewers really want to work with rye, which is like the great northeastern grain. But uh, when I heard this summer from Tom Potter that there was the Empire Rye Whiskey Project, the light went off because who has to convince someone that, don't you want to try a rye whiskey? Hell yeah. So it's like you guys already had a category and you guys are making it better. So Chris and Derek, let's, let's talk about the Empire Rye Whiskey Project, which has made you guys famous. Has, kind of. Famous? They were already famous. That's oh, yeah. how they got it off. Yeah. More famous. It's because they're tall. You know. <laughs> So the Empire Rye Project has its origins in in CD back backroom dealings after uh, various conferences. And you guys can all talk at once. So Chris and Derek just. So uh, is Robert uh, Mueller investigating the Empire Rye Project yet? No comment. <laughs> so I, I think it might have first been been sort of murkily referred to in a in a conversation. Um, at an ADI, con- American Distilling Institute conference, uh, maybe four years ago in Denver. I think we were all wasted, and I, uh, it was after an award ceremony where a lot of New York distillers won, won awards. And I said, we should just invent a whiskey style. And everybody kind of <laughs> said, oh, Christopher's had too much to drink. And, but, you know, we, 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 we joked about it. It was like, yeah, it'll be as big as scotch one day. Ha ha, won't that be grand? And then we all went back to our hotel rooms and passed out. But, you know, the seed was kind of planted at that point. And over the course of additional, you know, a couple more years of just kind of bringing it up and bringing it up, uh, a little over two years ago, I finally said, hey, we should do this thing if we're going to do it. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, it's, let's do that. So we, uh, over the course of about a month and a half, month and change, uh, it was six original distillers that that kind of hashed out what that style would be. And it was this great sort of tumultuous, um, you know, debate. You know, uh, it made us feel very important. We felt like the founders of, of uh, you know, the Constitution or the, writing the Declaration of Independence in a lot of ways. Um, but it was whiskey. And uh, at the end of about a month and a half, we finally somehow magically came to consensus and said, yeah, that's it. That's that's the style. Um, and the original distillers uh, that, that came up with it was Copper Sea, uh, New York Distilling Company, Kings County, uh, Finger Lakes Distilling, um, uh, Black Button Distilling, and who am I missing? Hudson. And uh, Hudson, Tuttle of course. Whiskey. Oh, yeah, that little distillery nobody knows about called Tuttletown Spirits, uh, Hudson Whiskey. Um, and then, uh, in a way, in a lot of ways, more, more important uh, than, than those, those founders that, that made that decision was, uh, was Derek at Van Brunt, who just through happenstance made had made that whiskey. So we actually held off on telling anybody about it for, for two years. So we made this whiskey, and one of the requirements was that it had to be two years old before it could be called Empire Rye. And uh, Derek caught, 
caught wind of it somehow, and he was like, hey, I actually made that whiskey. I have some. Yeah, ref- reference drunken uh, conversations at the fire uh, over co- at conferences. But. So can, can you actually just tell us what is an empire rye? Yeah, so uh, in, in, let's see, the, the, the big terms, the, in, the, in the biggest, uh, the, the most important terms are 75% New York state-grown rye. So we made the decision that, uh, that it really had to speak to the providence of New York in a meaningful way, and, and that meant uh, a substantial portion of New York state-grown grain, and it's a rye, so we decided that that be New York state-grown rye. It has to be a minimum of two years old, uh, and it has to go into the barrel at no more than 115 proof, which is 10 uh, proof degrees lower than the industry standard for rye. Um, lower barrel proof uh, does create different flavors. Um, the 125 proof barrel entry is pretty much where everybody for every rye in America goes in at because you save money on cooperage by going in at the highest possible amount. Um, you know, so you, you kind of give up the opportunity to learn about what uh, what kind of flavors can and be then elicited. You end up what, watering it down more. Yeah, so there's yeah. more water in the barrel, but there's different compounds in oak. There's water soluble compounds and ethanol soluble compounds. So if you go in at 125 all the time, you're always getting a significantly higher concentration of ethanol soluble compounds and the flavors that get extracted because of that high content of ethanol. You put in more water then you're getting more of these different flavors that, that come out only because you're aging that water in the barrel. So, so we've, we've sort of uh, peripherally mentioned commodity grains, and now uh, Christopher has mentioned commodity whiskey. Uh, and I think that it's, very, it's a relevant conversation because five years ago or seven years ago when I started thinking about uh, taking my hobby and making it a profession and opening up a distillery, there were no rye whiskeys on the market to speak of. <laughs> there were five or four and they're all made by multinational corporations using these commodity techniques. And, uh, and if you look back 100 years in, in, uh, in New York, in the United States, there were tons of ryes, and there was a huge variety of ryes, and you could pick and choose what rye you liked. And uh, it's this, uh, this notion of knowing your farmer and, grow, and using the grains that they grow that makes New York distillers gravitate toward rye whiskey because rye grows so well in New York. And it's it, the, the bounty on this table is there's as many ryes on this table that are grown in New York that existed when I started distilling. And, and this is just New York, and this is not even all of Empire Rye. So I think it's a testament to that great connection between farmer and distiller that we're creating this great com- complexity. Yeah, and one of the things that I really love, we, we just did uh, New York Rye Week. Um, we hosted several events. I know Derek did some at his distillery as well at New York Distilling. Um, but we got an opportunity to gather a, a lot of the people who had made a New York um, Empire Rye and taste them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a distiller. I, I make ragtime. I'm partial to mine. Um, obviously, but it was just such a treat to walk around to all the tables and try the Empire Rise. Um, you know, it's it's rye. It's in the rye category. Um, they all have seventy five percent. They all have been aged a minimum of two years. They all have. I know what rye whiskey ex- is. Exactly. I like it. But the thing that was exciting for me is they were all so very different. If you try our uh, expression. If you try Derek's expression, which I'm drinking now and is delicious. Thank you, Derek. Let's do that, Chris. So each one of you that we have three distillers here, what is your expression of Empire Rye? And we had uh, Derek's first. So uh, it's 75% New York State Danko Rye grown by Tor. 
Uh, and then the other 25% is, uh, is malt. And there's some malted rye and there's some malted barley. Uh, I don't use any what's called distiller's malt, which is that, again, getting back to that commodity grain thing. I use brewer's malt, which is a little, perhaps <laughs> a little bit more flavor, but a little less alcohol potential. But I also use some specialty malts in there, uh, like you would in, in, to make a more complex beer. And, um, and then I age it in, uh, it, this is two years old. Uh, and I, I, at my distillery, use smaller cooperage. So this is um, uh, aged in 15-gallon uh, casks that are, are number two char American oak. All right, and then uh, Chris, tell us what is different about your Empire rye. So we make at Copper Sea, we make a 100% malted rye whiskey. So it's a straight rye malt, which is kind of an unusual um, spin on the category. There's not a lot of, of examples of 100% malted rye. It's an older style, uh, wouldn't have been uncommon from the distilleries uh, of New York in the pre-prohibition era. Um, so yeah, what what what. What uh, Chris was saying earlier is it really holds true. You know, 75% is the minimum. I use 100%. Uh, so it conforms, but it's different. Um, so, yeah, we get this really broad range of possibilities, even within a fairly strict requirement for Empire Rye. And that's what we're tasting now. So just the, the Van Brunt versus the Copper And I encourage Steve. everybody, when you when you drink a New York whiskey, you should toast Excelsior! <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs> Uh, what is, what is that? It means ever upward. It's is, the state motto of New York. State motto. <laughs> and that's just been revived recently. I know Governor Cuomo did a, a, a beer competition, and now there's the Empire Rive. I'm, I'm only seeing Excelsior this, this year. So good job bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Governor yeah. Cuomo talked to Christopher, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what's the question, Jimmy? Uh, taste profile as you're tasting it between Van Brunt and Coppersey. Wait. Well, this is what I like to say that all these Empire Rise, even with the strict definitions, um, they have enough leeway that they can have pretty unique rise on their own. Right. So Derek has these small barrels, and uh, he's the brewer's malt. Um, his is, is rich, and there's a lot of barrel content. And then. Uh, Copper Sea with uh, 100% malted. It reminds me a lot of Old Potrero, if you don't know. Uh, Old Potrero was by Anchor several years ago, but um, this one's from New York, and I love it. And then the Ragtime, this is the uh, first time I had the, the Ragtime finished in Applejack Barrels, and it has a like, really nice, like, I don't even know what the word is because I've had a bunch of whiskey already. Um, <laughs> it, Excelsior. Yeah. Um, and then at Cardiff Giants, yeah. the, all New York drinks... Everything in the bar is from New York State. We do, actually, I think we might be the only bar in New York City to have an Empire Rye list. I believe we have six on there right now. Yes, and then that we, was the um, point. Uh, <laughs> we, even, we even broke it out. You know, we have a traditional rye section, and we have an Empire Rye section. Um, so please come by, check it out. We uh, love Cardiff Giant. Uh, thank you. Near the Navy Yard, right? Near the Navy Yard in, in, uh, in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. There's, a, there's an event there tomorrow night uh, with the New York Distillers Guild. Uh, we'll be making cocktails, which you make a lot of, and these are great because we can use these these different. That's also for, for different New York profiles. Craft Beverage Week, right? Yeah, New York Craft Beverage and Week. And Chris, what were you gonna say? We're trying to get everybody in. We're winding down. I can't remember. He was enthusiastic. <laughs> June, you know, looking back, I, I like the you know memories of the days when no one knew what the hell they were doing, but you you persevered. You even brought. That's how I got to know Tor and and Amy, um, through you and Green Market. Well, I mean, I. Um, yeah, and then it's, I think it's the adequate response. Empire it's like, so it's incredible to see this talk. whole sector emerge over the last 10 years and how powerful it is in so many ways. Like, 
from increasing you know crop diversity and soil health and what farmers can grow and make a living doing to the new infrastructure development to you know a, a culinary uh, richness that we are creating right now like it's phenomenal like the whole equation like when it comes to grains when I started working on I was really dismissive of I was like what but it's profound it's been just What's crazy is I've been seeing June since like five years ago like just constantly at conferences field days uh, educational seminars about grain growing and it's just insane that like it's been five years. It's it seems like a minute, but it's also yeah. like an amazing amount of stuff has happened. Yeah. Okay, Amy, so everybody just say their last bit, and I'm also going to say this. So for like Thanksgiving, the new cool thing I should go to people's parties with a bottle of Empire Rye. Right? Here, here, yeah. 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 That's that's what it should all yeah. be about. Yeah, we got some secret. We got some friends here from New York State, and uh, that's what you guys should push. Should actually go with two or three bottles yeah. of Empire right now. <laughs> Say it with Ryan. And Amy, our grains, our grains expert, flour ambassador. So I think that everybody should make cornmeal rye, cornbread for their Thanksgiving mm. table, and nice. then they can they can have that for dessert or as their stuffing, and then you'll be really growing something, eating something that really grows in New York. All right. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get asked a lot, you know, how can we help? How can we help? Um, and I would just encourage people to go out, go to your local liquor store, and now that you know about Empire Rye, ask for it, try it. There are a uh, number of expressions on the market, and they're all very different and all very, very good, which is really exciting to say. So um, They really, really are important. all different. They I mean, are so at, different. The tasting, yeah. each one yeah. is a each totally one different is totally product. Different, yeah. Steve. Uh, I'll just shout out to uh, Mackenzie from the Finger Lakes. We didn't open yours because you're not here, but we're about to drink it as soon as we go off air. Yeah, and it's going to be part of I've our tasting. It it's very good. Yeah, Finger Lakes, Brian Mackenzie, thanks. He shipped us some bottles, and uh, we'll be joined by Barber's 1857 Spirits, which is another New York farm distillery. It's not part of the Empire Rye. Uh, but that's cool. They can be. Well, that's they, the other thing. Here's a personal plea to all New York State distilleries who want to make Empire Rye. You can do it. All you have to do is make a whiskey that conforms to the style, tell us, and then you are able to bear the seal of Empire Rye on your bottle. And then back to beer, Stephen. So, what are some other uh, outstanding rye beers that that you serve for Rye Week? I know Fifth from, Hammer made from a beer. New York State, uh, yeah, uh, Fifth Hammer had a rye beer. Strong Rope had a rye beer. Um, you know, Bronx Brewery makes a rye beer. It's not with New York grains, but they make a really nice rye beer. I, I think most. Um, forward-thinking breweries do have something that has a has a lot of rye in it. Great. We actually did a uh, uh, we gave Fifth Hammer a couple barrels of our rye, so, so barrels that were you that that aged our rye, that we aged our rye in, and they are now aging beer in them, and they're delicious. So shout out to Fifth Hammer. So that's a, and any brewer that's making a, a beer with rye, we got to give Excelsior too. Also, yeah, cheers, Excelsior. And June, quick quick yeah. rundown. What are some of the other Grains that grow well in New York that brewers should be working with, you know, you got your list besides rye. Well, yeah, I mean, we were we were, pro- were promoted a lot of the alternative grains. I mean, even the rye back in the beginning. I remember the first Brewer's Choice, and a couple people did. Uh, there was like White Birch did an amazing rye beer. It was just thick, almost like Simo's bread. Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, the the wheats are coming along at the grain stand. We, you know, we started a pilot retail stand, and we have 14 different kinds of wheat, where, like, 10 years ago, there were two. Um, so I, 
there's potential for that. I mean, even getting into corn, there's there's potential for different varieties. I mean, everybody's using basic That's field corn said. at this point. Yeah, and einhorn, um, all these crazy. Yeah, the yep, einhorn and emmer. Emmer is definitely a fave, but yeah. it's apparently tough to make beer with because it has a higher protein content. But uh, spelt, so they'll we've get seen, there. Some we've of seen these some guys good spelt, spelt beers. It's a uh, brewer's choice. Um, yeah, and oats. We we've been through a lot. I'm just I'm really happy to have all all these people in this room celebrating uh, Taste New York Craft Beverage Week and the Empire Rye Whiskey Project. And Tor, kind of our specialty grains guy. Uh, you, you started as a Volkswagen mechanic. Yeah, yeah, wrenching on Volkswagens and Audis. And uh, if it, if you go up to your farm, basically there's a lot of machines running and a lot of machines. Yeah, I mean, on a grain farm, about half of your job is mechanic. We've got a lot of complicated machines that break down a lot, um, so we spend a lot of time uh, with greasy fingernails. So, but we that, like the end product. I, you know, Van Brunt is works with you. The day yeah. right again. You, 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 you have people making beer with your product, and uh, yeah, you know, and I just as an aside to that, you know, farming is a little bit of a, a solitary enterprise you're out there every day it's a seven day a week job and um you don't necessarily you know interact a lot so this whole you know and i'm going to shout out to new york state because this whole legislation that they put together it has made a huge impact on farms uh and it's not just my farm it's a lot of farms and uh you know it's also connected me with the end use of the product, you know, to be able to go down. I was down at Van Brunt last night uh, for a really nice event, meet the farmer event, to be able to go down there, talk to Derek, see what he's doing, talk to people who are, are drinking stuff that Rachel and I grew on our farm. That, when I go back, that gives me purpose, and that makes my job more fulfilling, and and. I can't even put a price on it. It's really awesome. So besides wow. the financials, there's the heart and soul of working with people that are making a beautiful product. Out and on, of what on you the do. end user game, Stephen, what was the response to Empire Rye and, and, and the rye beers that you serve for Rye Week at uh, Cardiff Giant? You know, great. Uh, our customers really love to support local. Um, and, and we've been moving a lot of Empire Rye. We've always moved a lot of rye beer, and uh, yeah, we've had we've had no complaints. Yeah, I was going to say thank you guys for coming out. We're going to take a break, and we're going to go out uh, to the Tiki Tent and Roberta's. We're going to be tasting, courtesy of Green Market Grains, several grain dishes. The Roberta chef also made uh, rolls with with some rye flakes and rye flour. Uh, there's a heritage pig that's being cooked in a cajachina. We'll be tasting uh, from five different New York distilleries. And Wartega, a great little brewery in Brooklyn, is also going to be serving a rye beer tonight. So uh, if you're listening, you probably won't get to come to the event. But just know that um, you go out and these guys are doing everything. Let's go around everyone and say uh, good night one more time. Say your names, everybody. There's way too many people here. <laughs> we know you, June. All right. I'm, I'm June Russell from Green Market, Grand YC. Uh, have a good night. Amy Halloran, author of The New Bread Basket. And a pancake expert. Pancake uh, queen. Derek Slusselman, Dan Brunt Stillhouse. We make uh, rye and a number of other whiskeys. Chris Murillo, New York Distilling. Thanks, Jimmy, for having me. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Stephen Baird, The Owl Farm and Cardiff Giant. Hey, uh, Tor Ashner, Ashner Farms in Newfield, New York. And uh, 
Jimmy Carbone, you fucking rock, man. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Byer Williams, uh, Copper Seed Distilling in the Hudson Valley. I'm also going to give a shout out to the uh, the silent guests in the studio, the uh, representatives of Empire State Development from uh, yeah. yeah from the state of New York who have done so much to help this industry and and the uh, the agricultural sector in this uh, in this area uh, develop. I'm going to have a personal plea. Bring this back to the governor. Every year. The governor of New York State should select an Empire Rye as the official Empire Rye of the governor's mansion for events, etc. And it should be served. What's what's the word again? Excelsior! That's it. One more time. Excelsior! Thanks for joining me here on uh, Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer David Tadashur, extraordinaire. And uh, we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.